0: What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't
1: reach. So you get what we had here last week, which is the way he
0: wants it. Well, he gets it. I don't like it. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Board Is Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot,
1: and I am Andy Wilson, also a
0: Big Shiny Robot.
2: And I am Brooke Heim of the Not Entirely Perfect podcast.
0: Yay! Okay, which was so much fun to be on. Again, thank you for inviting me. I, I had a ton of fun hanging out with you and doing that two weeks ago. Yes. Oh well, thank you
2: for being on it. It was awesome.
0: So, so you're. <laughs> Awesome is, I think, a word we're going to be using a lot in the next little bit. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, the only too, Will. The only thing that came out this week is, uh, was Captain America Civil War uh, because everything is scared to death of this. Uh, it's already pulling in huge numbers. It's like 600 million worldwide or something like that. Uh, it's one of the biggest openings in ever in America, so everyone's going to see this. Uh, I don't think it's a matter of surprise for anyone to know that we all liked it. Uh, but, Andy, why don't you give us a brief as spoiler-free as possible rundown um, of the plot that you can.
1: Sure. There will be tiny, tiny plot spoilers. Uh, I had someone complain to me uh, about minor plot spoilers. So let's just say we're going to discuss broad story arcs, but not specifics, like what's actually going on here. So this is, as the title would suggest, about a major rift that occurs in the Avengers team. And this rift happens because Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, uh, our Iron Man and our Captain America, disagree about the amount of accountability that needs to be over the Avengers team. Uh, Cap, with his team of new Avengers after the uh, events of Age of Ultron, um, have, have had some other problems. People are getting very upset. At the amount of collateral damage that the avengers have been causing between sokovia johannesburg new york and uh so the un says we're gonna sign a peace treaty and the avengers team needs to be accountable to the security council we're going to decide where they go and how they're deployed cap says no we can't do that i don't trust politicians they have agendas and Tony says, we have to do this because otherwise we're the criminals, we're the bad guys, and I'm just tra- trying to keep our family together because what we do is important and what we're doing is special. I think the greatest thing about this movie is they both have really good sides to their argument and um, the way that that comes out is incredibly important. Uh, that's <laughs> basically uh, the main point of it Except that Bucky shows back up and uh, people are really worried about the Winter Soldier and he's accused of uh, causing some major problems and uh, Cap's like, I don't think he did it. And everyone else is like, we don't care. Oh, we got to bring him into justice anyway. And so uh, the chase is on to try and figure out what's going down with Bucky and how he is a part of this whole thing it divides the team uh based on that fracture and based on uh the disagreement about the sokovia accords and it splits up the family pretty evenly and uh we get a couple new members of the avengers team on here uh we've got black panther who is uh t'challa the uh crown prince of the nation of wakanda and uh I think this isn't a spoiler anymore since we all saw him in the trailer. Uh, We get Spider-Man in here, uh, both of them on Team Iron Man. Uh, Lots of fun, just an amazing time. Uh, I came out, I went into this Team Cap, I came out of it Team Cap. um, But um, by the end, there was an emotional gut punch with where this went. And I won't say any more than that.
2: (sighs) I thought the movie was really, really, really well done, and it was really pretty, and I came out of it more Team Iron Man than I was prepared to come out of it as. Like, I really went into it with the high expectation that my mind would probably be changed, because I hadn't read the comic books and what I knew of Iron Man and Captain America before... I got to know all of you was based off of what my brother had told me and so um, I, I've always been team Iron Man as a kid I didn't like Captain America and when I left this movie I was raging angry <laughs> because I just I really need to understand why you guys are team captain like I don't I really don't get it
0: because of the helicopter scene silly he doesn't
2: do it for me, like, at all. He's... I don't like Boy Scouts, I guess. I don't know. I... i,
1: I, I He kind of did it for me, and I'm pretty straight. He certainly did it for my wife.
0: I mean, hell, we had to swim out of that theater.
2: <laughs> I don't know. He... For... Okay, so what I understand of everyone who... They're like, oh, Tony's so arrogant. Oh, Tony's so selfish. Oh, he, like... I'm pretty sure that every complaint that I've heard about Iron Man was actually Captain America through this entire movie.
0: Uh, we'll see. I, I want
1: to... Go ahead, Adam.
0: So, you know, I, I obviously, I've been Team Cap through the comic book, uh, Team Cap going in, and Team Cap even more strongly coming out. But uh, I fully understood Iron Man's position better in the movie than I did the comic. Uh, I think, and it could just be because... RDJ is such a fantastic actor and really brings that character to life so incredibly well. Um, but I could, I could see his points. You know, I understood why he was doing what he was doing. Um, I didn't exactly agree with it. And it kind of goes back to the one thing that, um, you know, Steve Rogers said is that he's like, we're better off in our own hands. He's like, what happens when, you know, we now, this oversight committee that's telling us where to go, what to do, and what happens when their ideologies change uh, they decide who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, and what it, happens when you know there's something horrible going on that we do need to go address, and we're told, no, you can't.
2: Yeah, except he was exactly what he was afraid of. It's really hard to do this without yeah. <laughs> spoilers, because, I mean, he... I don't know. I felt like he was selfish. He was short-sighted. He didn't take anyone into consideration except for his feelings about a certain set of events, and had they just put on their big boy pants and used their big kid words and talked it out. Like, all of... uh, I I just... I think he was exactly what he was trying to avoid. And then... Yeah.
0: I I think what would be really, really fun, um, because, you know, we're trying to keep this as spoiler-free as possible, um... Because this, this is a great discussion to dive into and really kind of get down to you know, brass tacks as far as who meet what, and you know, who was right, who was wrong, or who was both in the right and wrong. Um, I think something we could do maybe two weeks from now, like at the end of an episode, we kind of dive into this like we did with Star Wars, um, and do a spoiler-filled, you know, hey, you've had a chance to see the movie now. <clears throat> Fair warning, we're going to go deep dive on this. Um, because it's just as much fun as this conversation is going to be to have. It's really, really difficult when we can't say certain things because,
2: yeah.
0: like, I don't, I don't want to ruin this for anyone. I actually had to help edit a, a roundtable review for a different website today, and there was little things in there that even I don't even think would really be considered spoilers, but I know how. But know, it
2: takes we, away from the experience of exactly. it, right? Like, like so I totally get that.
0: Yeah, so <clears throat> I, I had to be really, really careful with that. And th- this is a conversation. It's like. It's literally talking about the elephant in the room, but you can't say the word elephant, yeah. tail, nose, trunk.
2: <laughs> so I will say this then. If any of you out there are really truly in your heart of hearts Team Iron Man, you are going to come out of it even more so, I think. like, I I really thought my mind was going to be changed. I went in there wearing an Iron Man tank top, expecting to kind of be... Zipping up my sweater on the way out, and no way, no way and at all. Be,
0: I found that to be pretty common too. Of all the people I've talked to who who've seen this, no one really changed their minds. I mean, maybe they could see, they could maybe kind of partially understand the other side's viewpoint, uh, but everyone like I, got, ooh, I went and saw it with uh, Brian Young uh, at the screening, and he's you know he's Team Cap from the comics, and he's Team Iron Man uh, in the movie, and he came out just a strong Team Iron Man. So. Uh, Yeah, maybe it's because
2: I'm a Democrat and I'm liberal and I actually, you know.
0: Well, I'm liberal, but I'm also not affiliated because I hate junk mail. (laughs) I
2: I, I was throwing that in there as a sucker punch, but like I really.
1: Thanks, Brock.
2: I don't understand why all my liberal Democratic friends are team captain. Like I just do not get it. Because Chris Evans
1: is (laughs) dreaming.
2: I
0: I want to break freedom.
1: I want to break this down a little bit because I, uh, if you want a deeper dive into this, go and read an article that I've just published at Big Shiny Robot, which is my Why I Love Captain America Part 3 and uh, I go really heavily into the moral and social psychology uh, behind the Team Cap and Team Iron Man debate. Um, There is a group of social scientists who have come up with Uh, Six different value systems uh, that they say help explain the differences between most political ideologies. And one of the big things that uh, is is key for them is loyalty. And the issue of loyalty here is what separates the two of them. And this... This is why it's so heartbreaking. No, Brooke, you're going to, you're actually going to like this argument.
2: I have such a big problem with that though. And here's why, like everyone is like the Carrie Jackson at the captain, one of the captain America panels at at Comic-Con. He was like, we don't need government oversight because captain America is the ultimate of moral standing. And if he like he is what's going to keep everyone in check, that's his job, that's his duty, that's what he does. And he like screwed the pooch on this one over and over and over. Like there was no moral high ground for him in this movie. It was whatever he wanted.
1: No. Okay. Constantly, I mean, be
2: because of loyalty, and what does that do for people? What, like, that doesn't save or protect anyone. No,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm arguing exactly the opposite. Actually, oh. that it's Iron Man who, it's Tony Stark who is acting out of loyalty and love. Go back to uh, the second Iron Man movie, and he walks into that Senate hearing and like flips the bird at everyone, including Gary Shandling, which is awesome, right? <laughs> And he's like, he's, like, no. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I, I, I won't, because what you're asking me to do is tantamount to slavery and or prostitution, and I'm not going to do it. Uh, move forward to Avengers Age of Ultron and look at what Scarlet Witch does to his mind. What's the thing that he starts acting out of fear of? This vision of all of his friends dead. And that's why he's so hellbent on creating Ultron so that they have some sort of a retirement plan to get out of this before they're all dead. He understands that's not going to be possible. So what's the next step? Well, now they're at this impossible decision. Do we keep the family together? Because I love Steve Rogers. I love him like a brother. And he he is my friend. I love all of these people. They're the only people I have left. Um, because, again, there is another incident in here which isolates Tony. And I, I won't give it away because it is a little bit of a spoiler. Um, and, and he feels very alone. And the Avengers are all he has. And he's just trying to keep this family together. So he's willing to compromise because he's saying... What we've got is so special. And and Steve is a total jerk about it. And he's like, no, no. Uh, it, it's I'm about this higher. What he says, it's a higher principle. And he doesn't care about loyalty because he cares about the moral dimension of liberty and oppression. And he says it's more important for us to be free than for us to have loyalty among ourselves. And Tony's willing to put that on the shelf and say this is important. And it's what is so heartbreaking. And you look, watch Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. He deserves a goddamn Oscar for how amazing he is because you see the wheels in his head turning. He doesn't want to be the government monkey. It's the last thing he wants in the world. And every moment he has to argue for it, it is excruciating to him. And you can tell he doesn't like the position he's in, but it's the only way only way forward and he doesn't want to have to fight his friend and it breaks his heart and it breaks my heart because it's just you know Cap is uh, Cap is wrong in a certain way but he's also right and here this is my ultimate answer why Brooke I don't want the Avengers controlled by the likes of Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump mic drop That's it.
2: I don't think we watched the same movie. Like, I really don't think we watched the same movie because that was not at all the motivation that I saw for Tony Stark. That's not... Like, his ability to evaluate and truly try to find a new perspective, which is something that they did talk about in this movie, like, throughout the entire series of movies. Like, he he reminds me of Hillary Clinton and I like Hillary Clinton and I like Tony Stark and I believe that without the ability to reevaluate and see the most important truth which I don't believe was based on loyalty for Tony Stark I think it was based on what was best for the people of the world that that is what is important and I don't I didn't see that from Captain America at all
0: Well and what's really interesting too because like I said earlier was that it did a great job of, you know, for me at least, of seeing, you know, Tony Stark's side. Uh, one of the characters specifically says two things. You know, one, it's about keeping the family together, not how we do it. And two, you know, by doing this, it's like keeping one hand on the wheel. So, yeah, we're not completely in control, but we still have access and we still have some influence over this. Um, and T- Tony makes it perfectly clear. He's like, look, we do this now, or they're going to do worse to us later. So, um,. Yeah, so, again, I can fully understand that, but, again, I think we should, let's, let's show up this conversation for right now, because I know we could spend the next two hours going back and forth, but I really think we could have a lot of fun, um, Yeah,
2: talking in code. Like, exa- talking in code, in code yeah.
0: I think we can have a lot of fun in a couple of weeks if we just come back and, and spend, because um, we've got, it's pretty much a dry spell until we get, uh, the new X-Men movie. Um, so, the Cap versus Iron Man aside, because, again, that's, that's the whole movie, um, as far as the movie itself went, because, like, you left angry, but were, you were angry at the situation, not so much the movie, I'm assuming.
2: <laughs> I was, like, really angry at the movie. I, uh, I didn't enjoy <laughs> it. I didn't enjoy it. I was so mad. But I will say, the women in this movie, like, own it so hard. They were amazing. Like, they... Oh, yeah, oh. I want my
0: Black Widow movie right now. And Kevin yeah. Feige has said yeah. they are committed to doing a Black Widow movie, so... Yeah.
2: The women were amazing. The characters, the way that they were really, really true to each of the characters. There were a couple of people on uh, Team Cap that I truly didn't understand why they were on that team. I thought it was really interesting that each side recruited people and that they jumped on the team without having all the information. They hadn't seen the Accords. They, like, they just took a side based on... On very, very limited information and like went for it wholeheartedly, which I, I thought that was really interesting. But um, I did think that like all of the character development and, and the, where they went with the story was so incredibly moving and powerful. Like it was, it was really good.
1: It's masterful how they were able to take 10 individual characters, give each of them their own motivation and story arc give each of them a foil on the other team that they were playing off of and make it work and and like I can't think of another ensemble movie that has taken this many characters and juggled them so well and yet beyond that this is still a Captain America movie i mean this this feels like avengers 2.5 but it's so personal. The stakes are so personal for Cap and Bucky and Iron Man that it it's still a Captain America movie. And it, it's it's amazing how they were able to balance all of those things out. So my hats off to the scriptwriters and to the directors for being able to do that.
2: Yes. And it's finally a movie about everything. That's wrong with every other action hero movie. Like,
0: I couldn't imagine what you'd be talking about. What what movie could you possibly be referencing? (laughs) Any of Um, them? (laughs) I I guess though, as much as I love Joss Whedon and trust me, I love the man. I would love to hang out with him and have a beer and just talk for hours and hours. Um, And I I can't tell you if it was, you know, Ultron was a result of, you know, he was worn out. Uh, the script wasn't as tight as he had for Avengers or it was, you know, we know there were some studio suits coming in and saying, no, you have to do this. Rah rah, rah 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 Um, This feels like the movie we should have gotten with Ultron last year. Which isn't to say Ultron's a bad movie because I had, like, had a lot of fun with it. Um, but I, the one great thing that the Russo brothers do by let, kind of being the director and not being behind you know the script writing part, um, it lets them focus solely on what they're doing. And on a movie this big, <clears throat> um, to have, you know, two heads could be better than one in a sense that they're united in vision, but they can come about it at a different way. Um, but yeah, like Andy said, you've, you've got all these characters; everyone gets a moment to shine. Everyone's got, you know, this. They get to do so many cool things, and it never seems overburdened or full of just stuff. I mean, it's a two and a half hour movie. I've seen it twice now, and each time I, when it was done, I was like, oh crap, that was two and a half hours. Um, you know, Brooke obviously was. I would assume you were referencing you know, Batman v Superman, um, a two and a half hour movie that felt like two and a half hours. Um, and you know, some people are, will dismiss Marvel because, Oh, well Marvel has the jokey, you know, thing in it. And DC's all serious. I mean, this is a very, very serious movie. In fact, some of the best moments aren't the big action set pieces. It's when Tony and Steve are sitting at a table talking and, you know, kind of hashing things out or trying to do that, you know, before things kind of go awry. Um, so as much as this is a big action thriller and has all kinds of cool special effects, and, and trust me, there's some really cool special effects in this. Um, at its heart, it's just as how Winter Soldier at its heart was a '70s spy movie. Um, this is very much a deep, personal um, dialogue movie, and I don't think people expect that from their superheroes movies. Um, and you know, kudos to the screenwriters and kudos to the Russos for letting them take their time, do what they want, and really develop these characters in ways that we hadn't seen before.
1: Yeah, that scene between Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. where he's giving him the pens. And
0: that's the one I was thinking of, yeah.
1: Wow. And what what I found most interesting in all of this though was as weighty as this film was, it was incredibly funny. I mean with the with the exception of maybe Ant-Man I can't think of another Marvel movie that had more jokes in it. This this is the Empire Strikes Back of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it is so depressing. It's really like the stakes are huge. And uh, we have a lot of really depressing things that happen. But if you go back and, and you watch Empire Strikes Back, that's where all the really funny dialogue is. All the Han and Leia quips and and bickering, and you get that same thing in here, um, just from from everything from like someone asking them to move their seat forward in a car uh, to Empire Strikes Back references, which we'll get to later. But um, and and one of the best things about this was uh, bringing in Spider Man. This felt like the first time in any of the Spider-Man movies. My apologies to all of the previous ones, most of which I liked okay. Um, But this was the first time they nailed that manic teenage banter and the quippiness and the jokes. And they got it. And it was hilarious. Like, the stakes are so high in that giant climactic scene that we've seen teased where the two teams are lined up against one another. And he just makes it fun. And and Paul Rudd makes it fun, too, his his foil on the other side. So, uh, you know, kudos for being able to bring a lot of levity and humor into what is otherwise a really serious movie. And, like, I, I gotta admit, guys, I... I felt kind of depressed for a couple days after seeing this. I was just like, ugh. Like, I I can't believe it. I can't believe where they left this. And, um, but still, I'm laughing at at a lot of the jokes.
2: Yeah, I felt that same way. It was really a lot of good humor to break up the amount of time I spent crying throughout the movie, which I really did. Like, it made me really sad. (laughs) Thing just it was really sad and um, kept wanting to yell at the screen, just use your big boy words, come on! But (laughs) um, I think I think the movie ended where it should have started. But
0: uh, that's a a big thing, too, because you have to stop and realize that we're not going to see the fallout from these characters and what happens for another couple years until whatever they're going to rename Infinity Wars to be. I mean, so we're not going to, I mean, they'll probably deal with it or <clears throat> discuss it, but we're not going to have Captain America, um, Robert Downey Jr., uh, you know, all these different characters who are in this all together again for years to come. I mean, we're not going to see anything from Doctor Strange, from Thor. Uh, so it's, you know, it. yeah, like you said, it would have been nice maybe if it kind of, well, I would disagree because I think it ended where it had to. Uh, they're, well, I won't say anything because that's another big <clears throat> spoiler of something that happens or doesn't happen <laughs> at the end of the movie um, but yeah, I, I was I was right there with you, I mean, I you know I very rarely cry at movies, I did cry during one scene um, which again, I won't mention just because it's, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to involve anything, but, you know seeing these characters who have been like brothers and sisters and who love each other and who, you know, have literally gone to hell and back or other dimensions and back and, you know almost died for each other, you know, go to full on fisticuffs in war. Uh it's horrible. I mean it's I mean obviously none of us were alive during the Civil War, but it it was it was heartbreaking. And so yeah, some people may give Marvel crap for adding some jokes and levity to their movies, but with something as deep and dark as this, you have to have those moments. Otherwise you're gonna come out. Wanting to kill yourself? Yeah, like uh, like I always talk about, you know, I'm a big fan of Man of Steel. I fully love the movie. Um, I like it better than Batman v Superman. But at the end of the movie, I was just, when I got out, it was like I just felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders because it was so much, so fast, and there was no breaks. You've got to have those moments just to kind of sit back and kind of regain your composure. Um, and so you can fault Marvel for that, but I think it's, it's a very, very wise thing that they do.
1: And again, the Russo brothers coming out of the world of... Episodic TV, specifically uh, comedic TV, doing Community with Dan Harmon, uh, you know, they were the weird choice to give this movie to. I'm like, wait, who's gonna do the the Captain America Winter Soldier movie? Really? Oh, uh, okay, the guys who did the paintball episode of Community. I, I guess that, sure, I, I guess that works. And then this is the second movie in a row where they've just knocked it out of the park. And so I'm really excited for what they're going to do with Infinity War.
0: Yeah, that was, that didn't, I was never, after I saw Winter Soldier and it was announced later on that, you know, Whedon was leaving and they were going to take over for, you know, Avengers 3 Part 1 and 2. I was perfectly fine with it. But again, like you said, when the other Russo brothers are doing Winter Soldier, I'm like, how in the hell are they going to move? from doing this little like almost indie TV series no one cares about well you should care about because it's amazing hey, hey, hey.
1: No, just... well, no
0: but uh, it was it was very, a very niche audience it wasn't yeah or stuff. and you're going to give them here's 200 million dollars go play it was kind of like when they gave Whedon 200 million dollars and said go play um, but they pulled it off and it, yeah it's absolutely stunning um, easily the, the best movie I've seen all year um, I I can't say enough about it I, the moment I got out um, 10.30 on Monday, the first thing I said was, can I go again? And very few movies will do that for me.
1: Yeah, that was that was my wife's reaction as well. Like, we walked out, and she said, when are we going again? And had we not had such a crazy busy weekend, I would have already seen this again twice. But um, I think I might have to, like, try and skip work uh, sometime this week and go play hooky and go see it again. Shame. Dustin. <laughs>
0: Just that good. So, Brooke. So, obviously, misgivings aside, because that's again future conversation. Uh, you know, what would you what would you rate this at?
2: Oh, it's so hard for me. I like as soon as it ended, and I watched the after scene. I stood up and I thought, "What the f- hell am I gonna rate this movie?" <laughs> and I think, like, I don't know what you guys would rate it. I think I'd probably give it. Eight and a half or nine out of ten. It was really well done. It just made me really angry, and I, I hated my experience watching it. But that's because they did such a good job of, of making me, feel extremely passionate about why I hated it. So.
0: Oh, and that's and that, like you said, that's an amazing thing that you know, to to leave, to leave a movie with one. Very strong emotion or another is much better than walking out and being like, eh. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. Our, our buddy Jimmy said, he's like, I'd rather go see a zero star movie or a four star movie because those are the ones you can have fun with, either saying how cool it is or saying how crappy it is. But it's the ones that are like, oh, two months from now, like, dude, two months from now, no one's going to be like, Civil War, what was that? I mean, I'll be doing that about Criminal, which I've almost forgotten about since I saw it. But yeah, yeah. it's. I yeah. Think- I, I think I, I would go like,
2: with, like, an eight and a half, just because it did make me so mad.
1: Look, <laughs> <laughs> you say eight or eight and a half or nine, like, you're somehow going to offend us, and, like, we're going to have a civil war break. <laughs> I, <know. laughs>
2: I I will say I went and saw it with Riyadh, and he's totally Team Iron Man as well. Like, we walked out of really? it. Really? I wouldn't
0: imply he would have been Team Cap. I, I, that's I, no I was
2: actually really nervous. Like, I walked out, and I was like, so... uh do we need to break up or are you Team Iron Man? And he's like, I'm Team Iron Man. And I was like, You are? And he goes, yeah, Oh, yeah. And I was like, Really? And he goes, Yeah, I'm actually surprised that all of our liberal friends are Team Cap. Like, I don't understand it. And I was like, I <laughs> love you so much more right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, eight and a half.
0: Yeah. And again, it's, the, the point is, well, you know, ratings are fun, but no one's going to, I'm never going to go over and tell you, Brooke. And you gave it too low or too high a score now. <laughs> yeah.
2: I thought there was some pretty cheesy, corny stuff in it, to be honest. Like some of the oh, action yeah. stuff, like everyone's like, oh my god, it's so awesome. And I was like, eh. I get, okay. That's. You. What? Yeah. So. That's
1: like, that's like, there's too much nacho cheese on these nachos. <laughs> like, no, there isn't.
2: Stop <laughs> being oh. so sexy, all of you. I get it. You're hot. No, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I I'm gonna stick with the eight and a half.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm higher than that. I'm at a ten out of ten. Um, this is one of my favorite movies of the year, if not my favorite so far. Uh, I I'm gonna have to go rewatch Hail Caesar again and have the two of them duke it out because they're pretty close. This is also vying for my top spot for favorite movie in the mcu again i'm gonna have to go see it a couple times uh whedon's original avengers still kind of sits atop the heap as like the perfect popcorn movie that brought it all together and brought this team together um winter soldier had amazing social commentary this kind of melded the two of them and i can't decide if that makes it more perfect, or if I kind of wanted more of one or the other.
0: And actually, that was going to be the first thing I was going to ask you was, uh, where does it sit compared to Winter Soldier? But you just answered that, so
1: yeah, yeah. So really, really close. It's just it's it's hard for me to say, but but I'm giving this a ten um, because I can't imagine a way I would have changed anything here, and I'm. I'm very saddened by the ending, and I'm glad that it wasn't exactly the sad ending that I thought that I was going to get, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: Yeah.
2: I, for lack of, like, criticism as far as how to make it better, I I should probably give it a 9. I'm just mad.
1: No, give it an (laughs) (laughs) 8. Give it whatever you want.
2: When I I stood up, I thought 9 out of 10. But, like, there... I don't know. Some of the scenes were pretty cheesy and not in like the humorous way, but yeah. that's,
1: that's totally. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a legitimate criticism and there's people for whom that's not going to work. Um, I'm just, I'm just addicted to cheese.
0: <laughs> oh yes. Cause it's God's gift to mankind. <laughs> <laughs> um, make yeah. some of the
2: vegans again.
0: Hey, they make good vegan cheese. I've had some. Yeah. Vegan cheese mm. is all I eat. I like vegan cheese. You can do some amazing things with nutritional yeast and mac and cheese. So it I'll very make it true. Very true.
2: Very true.
1: I like those full Whitaker nachos with the vegan cheese.
0: Oh yeah, that's amazing. So um, I'm right with Andy. I, I'm at a 10. Um, like I said, like I said with Green Room and other movies. That gosh, I've had three 10 movies this year. Holy crap! Me I too. Know last year was good movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, when, I, when I look at a movie, like, I I think about what I would do different. And again, I'm not a filmmaker. I just I see enough of them to kind of see trends and see overwatch and doesn't work. Um, there's nothing that could have changed about this. I mean, it's it's brilliantly paced. It's wonderfully written. The acting is all great. And you know, you know, you can look back at you know Chris Evans' career. I mean, he started out as you know a dumb jock in not another teen movie wearing a whipped cream bikini, uh, and to see his evolution. He's no, not after. right now. <laughs> I mean, to see his evolution as an actor, and that, you know, with, especially with this, uh, Winter Soldier, and like with Snowpiercer, how he can fully anchor a film and carry it, and I, everyone has just improved so much, you know, from day one to now, um, but yeah, there's it, it, there's so many things it does right, yeah, it is a little bit cheesy every now and then, yeah, but again, it's, it effectively gave us a capstone for... The Avengers,
2: Capstone,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the Avengers movies, the Iron Man movies, and the Captain America movies. I mean, even though this is just the start of you know Marvel Phase Three, it effectively ended all of Phase One and Two. Obviously, not like the Thor movie or Ant Man or Guardians, Um, and it did it in a way I didn't think they could pull off. I mean, I, I went in with a bar set so insanely high on this, like I. Felt like something was going to have to happen that was going to disappoint me. Um, not that I didn't have faith in the Russos, because I really, really do, and they've done such amazing work. But I figured something had to happen or wasn't going to pull, turn out the right way that was just going to, you know, bring it down a notch. Um, and it wasn't. And the most, the best thing I can say is I am so utterly excited now to see what they can do with a new Spider-Man movie. Uh, Tom Holland kills in a Spider-Man. He said he. He let it be a kid. He nails the part. He's funny. He's quippy. Uh, he is the best Peter Parker we've had to date. And I b- enjoy both Topa Maguire and Andrew Garfield, but uh, Marvel knew what they were doing when they cast this kid.
1: Agreed. And make sure you stick around after the credits to see
0: yeah.
1: the uh, uh, Spider-Man uh, after credit scene. Uh, the- oh,
0: yeah. So many people left in the middle. Like, so many people left after the first mid-credit scene. I'm like, have you not seen a Marvel movie yeah. There's always with the exception of Ultron, there's always one at the end, and like my buddy from work was really funny because he left, he didn't know about it. I and left. So, oh, you did? Mother. Oh, honey, now I have to go see it again.
2: I no, <laughs> I was so mad, I had to get out there. I was angry.
0: It's it, it's a it's a it's a t, it's a little burner shot with a with uh, Peter Parker and Aunt May. Um, oh, and Aunt May, by the way, everyone's giving her crap for being so quote unquote young. Uh, Marissa Tomei is in her fifties, so they're not casting young. She just is a young-looking actress. She made a deal with the devil, just like Jennifer Aniston and did. Hot, so.
2: And mm. I want her, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh,
0: so, uh, yeah, state the whole thing. You know, after the, the the mid-credit scene, it's okay. You can pull your phone out. You can do stuff on it. No one's going to care. Uh, but yeah, you want to state through everything.
1: Yeah. So, um, speaking of after-credit sequences. Um, we're going to give you our after credits sequence right here. Uh, we are going to give a tiny little spoiler for what was, for me, one of the best lines in the entire movie. So if you haven't seen this yet, maybe stop here. But uh, if if you have, let's move forward because I thought that this was a really fun idea. If you stopped? okay, good. Uh during the big battle scene, uh, when Spider-Man says, uh, "Hey guys, remember that really old movie Empire Strikes Back?" and everybody laughed. First of all, how brilliant was that? That like <laughs> everyone would laugh at
0: that line. And then they're like, "Who, who was it? Who asked uh, Tony Stark? Like, where did you find this kid?" It's like, okay, so he's a bit young. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, obviously, but that was brilliant. And afterwards, I got to thinking, if someone is 16 years old today and they were born in the year 2000, that means that The Empire Strikes Back is 20 years old for them. That is an old movie. And that frightens me that now, like a movie that is an indelible part of my childhood is considered old by kids today and their rock and roll music. But, um,
2: get off my lawn. those damn kids.
1: I, for for context, I said, we should all pick a movie from 20 years before our birth and, um, talk about that, uh, for context. Um, my very old movie is Alfred Hitchcock's vertigo, which came out in 1958. Um, Considered by some to be the greatest movie ever made, Uh, this is Hitchcock and Stewart and Jimmy Stewart at their absolute best. Uh, A great suspenseful movie, brilliant cinematography that uh, is set against the backdrop of San Francisco and uses the city uh, to an amazing effect. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, If you haven't seen Vertigo... Uh, do yourself a favor and make sure you do it, even though it is an old movie. Uh, there's so many things that people today are still aping and still ripping off of Hitchcock. And um, even if it wasn't that, it's just a great story and incredibly well done.
2: I had a really hard time picking mine. Um, I I vacillated between three of them. I was going to go originally with on. Haunted Hill, which is one of my favorite horror movies. It's all black and white. It's old, right? Um, And then I kind of went to I thought I was going to go with some like a hot which is what I told you earlier, but I think the one I'm really going to go with has been her because it felt so old to me when I was a kid and putting that in comparison to Empire Strikes Back just makes me so sad. (laughs) It's, it's exactly what we were talking about, so I went with Ben-Hur, and um, if you haven't seen Charlton Heston in Ben-Hur, go watch it, like, I don't, you're probably young, so you haven't seen it, but watch it, um, it's a Jewish prince who gets betrayed, he becomes a slave, gets his freedom, wants revenge, it's, it's, a, it's a classic revenge story, which after captain america civil war i think we could all use a little perspective
1: i think it's funny brooke not that not that you're the oldest one among us but two of your picks were both filmed in black and white to show right like, just how, <laughs> just how much we've we've changed yes. for our birth and i love some like it hot and house on haunted hill so yeah yes yeah,
2: they're great cool. And Ben-Hur yeah. isn't black and white but for some reason it feels older than those other two to me probably because well, it's, like it's a period long. piece and it's yeah forever long and,
1: <laughs> yeah. and and I think it was because it always like got shown on TV and yeah. like oh it's Easter Ben-Hur is on
2: My original choice I was I was like oh Gone with the Wind and then I was like no wait that's 40 years not 20 so which uh, is awesome.
0: You know, for my pick, uh, I had an embarrassment of riches, and it was really funny because, uh, unknowingly, Andy and I picked movies by the same director. Uh, So I went with Psycho, which is also Hitchcock, uh, and is probably, I would say, you know, in a sense kind of kicked off the slasher genre, which everyone kind of gives credit to uh, John Carpenter with Halloween, but this was the first time we actually saw it on screen. Uh, And, again, it just proves how much of a master... That suspense and directing that Hitchcock was uh, there's yeah, if you haven't seen the movie which I would hope to God everyone has uh, if you haven't seen it recently go back and revisit it Uh a so woman steals some money goes to a hotel meets kind of the creepy Norman Bates uh, she gets murdered and then it's a story of trying to figure out who murdered her what happened what's going on uh, and it's its it has an now infamous twist ending that's become such part of the zeitgeist that it's almost become cliche. Uh, It's been parodied nonstop, but if for some reason you haven't, you know, seen it, I won't say anything because you probably already know the ending. But I'm not going to go there. Uh, But again, it's Hitchcock it is the finest. I mean, the trailer for the movie was funny because it was just him walking around the Bates Motel, talking about different things and pointing out the house and saying with his very like, you know, just totally deadpan uh, expression and uh, voice of what happened and how horrible it was and. Uh, it was the first time we saw a flushing toilet on camera. Uh, it it pulled. Uh, if you've ever seen Reservoir Dogs, we talk a lot about when the guy cuts the the uh, officer's ear off, the police officer, and everyone always cringes, like, "Oh, it's such a horrible, horrible scene." Uh, you never actually see that happen, and it's the same thing in this movie. Like, you know, it's very well known for the shower scene. You never see the you know the animal get stabbed. I mean, there's some blood that they, I think it was chocolate syrup they used, because was, again, black and white. Um, so it's all up to your imagination, and that was something that Hitchcock was great at. So, uh, 1960, the black-and-white version of Psycho, don't go see the remake, I don't know why they, or the, whatever you want to call it, the reimagining, because it was stupid. Um. Yeah. Ugh, which,
2: I call it a mistake.
0: Sorry, you know, right, guys. I can call done. it a lot of things, but we're being family-friendly today. Uh, but no, the original is fantastic, uh, and actually was one of the reasons why movies have, uh pretty set in stone start times too so if you didn't know that back then people would just go to a movie and you know they would just walk in whenever and maybe they get there when the movie starts maybe it's almost over maybe it's in the middle and they would just sit and you know watch it let it start again and get to the point where they walked in and walk out well because so much crazy stuff happens in the first 20 minutes of Psycho I uh, Hitchcock demanded that movie theaters would not let people in late so the whole idea of getting to a movie on time to see it when it actually starts uh, you can thank the good Mr. Hitchcock for that.
2: Well done. Well done.
1: Yeah, uh, Adam, I think it's interesting that you and I both picked Hitchcock. And while your film is two years younger than mine, uh, Vertigo is in color and Psycho is in black and white. It's amazing that like directors were still kind of moving back and forth and it wasn't necessarily a an issue of technical capability or budget. But uh, an artistic choice. Uh, that's how. That's how much we've we've we moved in 20 years before we were born. And I guess if you think about the technological leaps we've made since Empire Strikes Back, uh, between then and movies that were coming out in the year 2000, that was uh, pretty big too. And even further to where we are now, 16 years later. Well, that about does it. Wraps her up all good here on this week's board is Hellcast. Uh, next week. Um, we don't know exactly what we'll be giving you. We might be able to talk about X-Men Age of Apocalypse if we can get our embargoes lifted. Otherwise, we will let you know exactly what we've got. And until then,
0: hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Team Cap!